0: means you can travel worry free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator.
2: My Seven Chakras, episode 156. Life, as we
1: all know, is conflict. And man being part of life is himself an expression of conflict. If he recognizes the fact, and accepts it, he is apt, despite the conflict, to know peace and to enjoy it. But to arrive at this end, one has got to learn the doctrine of acceptance—that is, of unconditional surrender, which is love. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body.
2: What's going on Action Takers? AJ here and we are back once again to take on a new topic, to ask some insightful questions and learn something new that will help us on our human revolution. Action Tribe, we've come a long way so far, 156 episodes and based on a survey I conducted recently, I've learned that the number one challenge that our listeners face is meditation. Now, everyone knows meditation is highly beneficial. And maybe you've taken a course or read a book as well. But somehow, somewhere down the line, you're not able to make it a practice. So you're not able to focus or you don't know what to do with the internal mental chatter in your mind. So I've decided to take this further and learn more about the challenges that you're facing with meditation. Because if we have enough interest, I'm actually going to go ahead and create a product for our community. All you have to do for now is answer this one simple question. What are the two top questions about meditation that we absolutely need to answer in this meditation course? I repeat, what are the two top questions about meditation that we absolutely need to answer in the meditation course. To answer, type this link into your browser. That's my7chakras.com forward slash meditation. That's my7chakras.com forward slash meditation. Again, if you really want to establish a practice of meditation and enjoy the benefits of it, help me with the survey. And if we get enough interest, we will create a product for you. And with that, Action Tribe, let's welcome our featured guest for today, Roger Husden. So, Roger, are you ready to inspire? Oh, I am. Yes, indeed. Awesome. So, Roger Hoosden is the author of Dropping the Struggle and numerous other books, including the best-selling 10 Poem Series, which began in 2001 with 10 Poems to Change Your Life and ended with 10 Poems to Say Goodbye in 2012. He offers writing workshops both live and online with an emphasis on self-discovery and exploration. So, Roger, I've given our listeners a short bio about you, but take about a minute and help us get to know you better
1: thank you a j for uh, bringing me onto to this program and giving me an opportunity another one to inspire really when I write books that 's really what I see myself doing i 'm both articulating to myself my own life experience and attempting to understand you know the insights that i've uh, that i 've developed uh, over a lifetime and then um, with the book i'm wanting to Uh, share that with with others of like mind. So that's very much the purpose of my books. And most of my books, in one way or another, uh, use the universal language of art. So no particular religious or spiritual tradition, although I draw on all of them, but really primarily the language of art. And by art, I mean poetry, literature, and also, in fact, art. I have written a book on Rembrandt, always using art, be it Rembrandt's paintings or be it poetry, always using art as a doorway for inquiry into the ongoing deeper existential questions that we carry always with us
2: as human beings well thanks a lot for that warm intro before we actually begin today's show we need some inspirational momentum And to help us get there, we need your help. So, Roger, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And also give us one example of how you apply that quote in your life.
1: Well, my new book, which is called, as you said, Dropping the Struggle, Seven Ways to Love the Life You Have, um, actually begins with a quote by the wonderful writer Henry Miller. And I'm going to read this quote. It's at the very beginning of the book. Henry Miller says, Life, as we all know, is conflict, and man being part of life is himself an expression of conflict. If he recognizes the fact and accepts it, he is apt, despite the conflict, to know peace and to enjoy it. But to arrive at this end, one has got to learn the doctrine of acceptance, that is, of unconditional surrender which is love. Now I love that quote
2: because it begins with conflict and ends with love. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing this with us. I love the fact that you emphasized that one has got to learn the doctrine of acceptance and un conditional love, something that we are always trying to learn more about in this show, not only to learn, but as you mentioned, to apply it in our life as well. So thanks a lot for sharing. And with that, let's dive in. Roger, what inspired you to write your book, Dropping the Struggle?
1: Well, AJ, probably because I myself, like you and everybody else, else have known struggles in my life. And I've come to see that although struggle is Evidently, as uh, Henry Miller says himself, it's part of life. It doesn't work. Struggle does not work in the areas of life that really matter most to us. For example, the question of meaning and purpose in your life, or love for that matter. You know, existential or perennial uh, themes like this really are never resolved through struggle. But rather, the opposite, and again, this is what Henry Miller points to, the opposite is what? Well, the doctrine of acceptance, which is unconditional surrender, which is love. But when we say unconditional love or surrender, what do we mean? Do we mean to another person? Do we mean to God? Do we mean to ourselves? What is it that we mean? Well, for me, I've come to see really that dropping the struggle happens, dropping the struggle with life in whatever form, happens when we actually really acknowledge the truth of our life as it is in this moment, as it's showing up now. Because after all, Life as it's showing up for you and me now is the only life we have. We don't have a life in the past. We don't have a life in the future. We have this life, this moment, absolutely now. And, you know, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche had this wonderful term. He called it amor fati, which means to love your fate. And what he meant, what Nietzsche meant by love your fate was not an acceptance that your life is all pre-designed from the moment of birth until the moment of death and you're just following along a railway track of your life no what he meant by loving your fate is loving the fate of your life as it is in this moment because it is our fate to experience this moment that we have now whatever it looks like whatever it looks like this is it therefore this is our fate now In five minutes, that can be different. Tomorrow, it will be different. We never know where it's going to go. There's this wonderful, great unknowing that exists in our life. You and I have no idea what is going to happen in the next five minutes or when we put the phone down. We simply don't know. And what we do know is that you and I are here right now in this moment conversing with each other. And the degree to which we're willing to fully embrace This moment is the degree to which we're embracing our fate. And that, I believe, is what an unconditional surrender or unconditional love really means. It means being willing to put your arms around your life in this moment, unconditionally love your
2: life in this moment whatever it looks like. That's really interesting. Thanks a lot for sharing. You mentioned that struggle is a part of life. The opposite is unconditional love. And for that, we need to get back to the here and now and express love right now. So Action Tribe, you've come a long way, no matter what challenges or obstacles or life experiences you've had, you've come a long way to this moment right very now. So it's about time to express some love for your fate. Now, Roger, just to understand the challenge at hand better, could you talk to us about some of the different types of struggle that our listeners might be going through in their daily lives? Yes, we all
1: experience different kinds of struggle at uh, different times. But certainly the struggle for meaning is pretty common, you know, trying to have or create a meaningful existence. Another one is uh, the struggle to create what you imagine to be a perfect life in some way. You know, that. To the struggle to get your, all your ducks in a row so that it just really looks and feels good. Now, the truth is, though, that I think we most of us, however old or young we are, know that life actually doesn't usually pan out the way we expect it to do. In fact, life is never quite perfect. Not only that, We are never quite perfect. And there's this wonderful poem by Ellen Bass called Relax, where she says, look, bad things are going to happen. No matter how many vitamins you take, how much Pilates, you'll lose your keys, your hair, your memory, your wallet will be stolen. You'll get fat, slip on the bathroom tiles of a foreign hotel and crack your hip. You'll be lonely. Oh, taste how sweet and tart the red juice is how the tiny seeds crunch beneath, between your teeth. Relax, bad things are going to happen. We're never going to have a perfect life. And we ourselves are never perfect. In fact, our imperfections are part of our perfection, you know. That's a wonderful line by Leonard Cohen, you know, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So no matter how much we struggle to get everything exactly as we would like it, we do ourselves a great favor and save a great deal of energy when we can let go a little of that image of the way it's exactly meant to be and just allow the imperfections both of ourselves and of others and of life because they are always going to be there. And not only that, They have their place, and we never know how useful or valuable uh, an apparent difficulty or
2: mistake is going to look like five years down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you spoke about the struggle to create a perfect life, which I'm sure that a lot of people are going through, working really hard at their work, at home, to create a wonderful and happy family. And when things go wrong, which, as you pointed out, will happen in every person's life, people also struggle to find meaning. They ask and question why is this happening to me? And the truth is that things don't always turn out the way we plan. Bad things happen, good things happen, and like the wonderful poem that you shared with us, things get lost, we put on weight, you lose people in your life and so on and so forth. But the truth is action taker that your imperfection is part of your perfection. So learn to embrace it. So Roger, based on the study and research that you've come across, what are some of the benefits of dropping the struggle that we are going through?
1: Just feel it right now, AJ. Just become aware of the sensations in your body right now. And any tension you feel in your shoulders, your arms, your chest, as you become aware of that, any tension there may be there, um, the awareness actually lets the attention fall away. Well, at a very simple level, that is dropping the struggle. And the benefits are obvious you can breathe more easily Mm -hmm. life can flow and move through you more simply and naturally and actively and actually you can more creatively engage with and respond to life as you let go even in this this physical way, this visceral way, you know uh, we are so used to struggling with anything and everything and mostly with ourselves that The body tends to trap this struggle in uh, tension all over the body. So the benefit of dropping the struggle, I think, is pretty clear to most people. You have only just for a few seconds to let those tensions fall away, for for example, from your chest or your belly,
2: and you will know the difference. So I love that response. Thanks a lot for sharing that insight with us. And as soon as you asked me to drop my struggle physically, I could feel that different level of peace and that knowing that things are going to, you know, go on well, and we're going to have an amazing show today. So thanks a lot for sharing. They say that although we can't control our circumstances, we can control how we react to them. And in your book, you talk about the three frames of mind, which we can really use to respond to something that comes into our consciousness. So what are these three frames?
1: Yes, thank you for raising that, AJ. So when life appears both outside us and inside us, and by inside us, I mean when we have a feeling that emerges or a thought that emerges, we have uh, the opportunity or choice, really, at any one time to do one of three things. The first two things actually do not involve choice. They're more like reactions. So if we have a, a feeling that suddenly takes us over anger, for example, uh, or fear uh, or anxiety, then the first reactive possibility is, we close our mind to it. In other words, we pretend it's not happening. We ignore it. So uh, this can be in all kinds of levels, you know, you may feel uncomfortable at work, there may be some kind of sense in you that maybe it's time for another, another job or another, another avenue for your creative uh, energies. And that may be frightening. Uh, because it means change. And it means you may have to start a whole search. uh, And so very often, it can be easy to deny that, to close off that thought, the thought, maybe I should be uh, changing jobs, to close down on that and just pretend it's not happening and carry on. Eventually, of course, it will grab you by the by the heel and make you pay attention. But the sooner we pay attention, the better. So number one is closed mind, ignore it. Number two is lost mind. And we all know this, where we get completely lost in either a thought or a feeling uh, that seems to take us over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a, a huge uh, obsession or a desire uh, that we simply can't... Um, stop thinking about. And our mind is lost in that moment because there is no space for anything else but the obsession right? um, or but the feeling. I mean, maybe we're feeling very angry and that anger is just pervading our whole being, mind and body. And we simply can't think of any other possible response. So we are lost in the feeling or the thought of the moment. And the third Possibility, and this is a possibility and this now becomes our true choice, is an open mind. And with, a, with awareness, with a degree of attention, we can notice what we are feeling or thinking and allow it. Allow it without jumping on its back, without pushing it away, but simply letting it be there. And experiencing it. There's a vulnerability in that, you know, there's a, a tenderness towards ourselves that needs to happen for an open mind. You know, to have an open mind really is to become intimate with oneself, to become intimate with all the different tones and tones of one one's own inner experience of life through thinking and feeling. So an open mind is willing to allow it whatever it is, whatever the thought, whatever the feeling, it's happening so it must be part of my life experience that is an
2: open mind. So thanks a lot for that response. First of all, you so rightly and profoundly mentioned that life appears both outside and inside us. When a thought emerges inside us, we have the choice. And as you rightly pointed out, three choices, Action Tribe, either we close our mind to it, we pretend like it isn't happening for whatever reason, for fear or embarrassment or worry, or we lose our mind. It's a lost mind, a desire or an obsession that is uncontrollable. We keep thinking about it at different times during the day or during the hour and our mind is basically lost in that very thought. And three, which is the one that is the most recommended, is the open mind in which we are mindful, we notice that thought, we allow it there's no force. There's no pushing. We just let it be. We experience it the way it is, Action Tribe, and then we embrace it. Is that correct?
1: That is. Yes, I do.
2: So thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, Roger, in your book, you talk about the seven ways to love the life you know. I know we don't have all the time today, but could you briefly walk us through the seven ways? Sure. Yes.
1: Pleasure. So... The first one, uh, the book actually starts out with a chapter called Dropping the Struggle to be Special. Mm -hmm. It's a paradox, really, because we are all special in our own way. But then if everyone is special in their own way, that's not quite the kind of specialness sometimes that we're looking for. We're sometimes looking for a specialness that makes us stand out from everybody else and makes us appear exceptional. And... Again, we are, of course, exceptional in our uniqueness, uh, but then everyone is. The struggle to stand out really is the struggle to be recognized and affirmed. And I think the struggle to be recognized and affirmed comes from fundamentally a sense of separateness or even in an extreme, an alienation. And so in order to feel that we're alive, we need people to recognize us. Uh, So that struggle to be special is something in one form or another we all know at some time or another in our lives, or most of us anyway, and uh, dropping that and, and seeing our natural place in the scheme of things is a huge relief and opens the door to intimacy, not only with others, but with life itself. The second chapter is dropping the struggle for a perfect life. And we've already spoken of this for a moment, where there can so easily be the desire to have everything just as we would like it, Uh, to have all our ducks in a row, uh, to have the perfect kitchen or the perfect table or or the perfect set of children. Uh, but it, it really doesn't work that way, does it? And as we come to embrace and acknowledge and even welcome the imperfections in our life, that struggle to, for, for perfection can fade into the background. Number three, dropping the struggle for meaning and purpose. This is a big one, of course, and it's certainly the biggest one for me for decades. And I've always, in my earlier life, I always somehow imagined that meaning always lay somewhere else that I had to go to some exotic country to find it, meet some extraordinary people, uh, or do some extraordinary thing. But every time I completed the extraordinary thing, or every time I met the extraordinary person, I was full of meaning for a sense of aliveness for a while, but then it fades and disappears again. And so yet again, I have to go and find another thing to do, or another person to see, or another place to travel. None of those, of course, nothing wrong with any of those, except they are never going to give me the intrinsic meaning that is always here with me in my life. And so dropping the struggle for meaning is a great, has a great deal to do with dropping the struggle for the search, if you like, that is always putting off meaning into the future. The struggle for meaning falls away when we are fully immersed in what we are doing now, when we're fully immersed in this present moment. Number four is the struggle for love. Dropping the struggle for love, and you know, it's not so difficult to see that to, in struggling for love, uh, we can very often be pushing it away. Now, struggle is not the same as effort, and in an intimate relationship, especially, everyone knows that you know effort is necessary. You know, effort is really essential. Uh, in any ongoing intimate relationship. But struggle is an extra push that really comes from fear. And it simply doesn't serve either us or the other person. I mean, struggle essentially needs us to hold a position. It needs us to be right and the other to be wrong. Whereas, you know, uh, in working together, and deep work uh, on a relationship... We need to engage in a humble and also honest exploration of our own vulnerabilities and those of our partner. Basically, in love, struggle tightens our defenses. Work, work on the relationship can loosen those same defenses. Then, dropping the struggle with time. Well, we all know this in one form or another, don't we? You know, uh, the human being is this wonderful koan or paradox because. We really do live at the intersection of time and the timeless. We all live in clock time. We all have to be at work at a certain time and do things within certain time frames. This is natural and normal. But of course, as we know, this can take us over to the degree that we feel we have no time, that we're running out of time, as if time was a uh, something that was finite. But when I said that we are at the intersection of time and the timeless. Right in the very center of time is the present moment. When we are fully immersed, and you're beginning to notice, I'm sure, that everything returns to the present Mm -hmm. moment. But when we are deeply in the present moment, we are in the timeless. And we can much more effectively do what we need to do within the constraints of time when we are fully engaged with the task at hand now, are not being anxious about the goal or the end result today or tomorrow or next year. Number six, dropping the struggle with change. Change happens to all of us. Our bodies are changing right this very moment as we speak. Everything around us is changing as we speak. And you know, we—it's easy to cause really great tension and friction in our lives by struggling against the fact of change. We try and stop change, or we try and make it too fast. But learning to flow with the natural rhythm of change in life, you know, allows us to, you know, really dance with life rather than push and target life. And so dropping the 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 struggle with the fact of change itself I think is really fundamental. And finally dropping the struggle to know. We live in an information age. We live in a knowledge age of Google. We all want to know and of course we do. So knowing and knowledge are invaluable. Of course we know that. But they can also be a means of our attempting to have control over our lives in a way in which really is not fully possible. Um, and so what I invite us to do in this chapter is to fall back from all the knowledge and knowing and information we have at times, to fall back into, instead of knowledge, into a place of wordless knowing and I think we all have these wordless knowings or intuitions, you might say, in our lives at one time or another. And often, of course, we can ignore them. In 1998, when I woke up one morning in my native country of England, and I just knew without any previous planning, Mm. I just knew that I needed to move to America. And within six months I had moved there and I've been living here in the Bay Area ever since. Now, that was not a kind of plan that I had i wasn 't thinking of moving to america i didn 't sit down and work it all out. It was all it was like a felt knowing, and there was a quietness about this knowing and I of course had no idea how that was going to happen, but I just knew it was and knew it needed to and I think we all have these moments at times in our life of this knowing, and I really encourage us to follow that when that emerges. Um, So that is dropping the struggle to
2: know and allowing life to show us the way. So thanks a lot for sharing and giving us that amazing explanation of the different types of struggle and the seven ways to love the life you know. You spoke about dropping the struggle to be special, the struggle for a perfect life, struggle for meaning and purpose, struggle for love, dropping the struggle with time, dropping the struggle with change, and finally, the seventh one, dropping the struggle know action tribe of course this was just a brief overview if you want to learn more we'll provide you the link so that you can get the book yourself and empower yourself so roger thanks a lot for sharing your insights so far what is that one piece of advice that you have for a listener listening to this episode right now who really wants to drop the struggle today itself what is that one action that he or she could take
1: so right now bring your awareness into your left hand Fill your left hand with sensation. Let the sensation move through your fingers and your thumb and fill the palm of your left hand. And while filling that left hand, your left hand with sensation, become aware of the right hand and do the same with the right hand. Fill your right hand with sensation. It may even begin to tingle. But just simply become aware of your hands in such a way that you're not looking at them from the outside. You are feeling them from the inside. You are feeling these hands of yours from the inside, their tenderness or their toughness or their roughness or smoothness, whatever it is, but primarily it is the sensation that you are feeling now in your hands. And the very simple, magical thing is that when you bring your attention to part of your body in this way, and remember, by attention, I don't mean just thinking about it or looking at it. I mean feeling a part of your body from the inside, uh, which is why I use the word sensation. So when you do that, you you will notice that you will no longer be having... Be be full of thoughts in your head. Struggle happens primarily in the mind. And it's struggling, either a debate is happening in your mind or you're thinking about some future thing you have to do or something you haven't done. All of this happens in the mind. But when your attention is on the inside of your body, having a felt sensation of, in this case, your hands, you will not be able to have energy or attention left over to be thinking in your head. The struggle in your head will have gone if you have sufficiently brought your attention into the sensation of your hands.
2: Mm-hmm. Love that. To get the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 156. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 156. Though no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. Now, this is a powerful quote by Carl Bard, which really tells us that thinking about the past, something that we failed to do, an opportunity that we missed, an incident that happened makes us feel depressed because going to the past isn't really possible. You can't change things that have already happened. But if your heart is still beating and you can feel your consciousness as we're experiencing in your hand and in different parts of your body, you can definitely make a brand new start today. Right now, by dropping the stress, struggle embracing your situation facing a challenge and pushing beyond your comfort zone action tribe and roger since we're talking about pushing beyond our comfort zones uh, could you talk to us about a time when you had to move past your comfort zone and face a major life challenge also if you could tell us how you approached that challenge and then how did you overcome it
1: thank you yes so five years ago i was in iran writing a book on Iran and researching a book on Iran. I wanted to show the human face of a culture that had been unfortunately called the axis of evil. I wanted to put a human face on this very ancient and deeply spiritual culture that Iran is. So I spent a couple of months in Iran, And on my way out, as I was leaving the country, I was stopped at the airport by intelligence agents. And they told me they thought I was a spy. And they took me back to Tehran. And I was questioned over and over by them for three days and nights. And they were always the same questions. And they'd hacked into my email account. They listened to every phone call. They knew absolutely everything about me and everything and everyone that I'd met and everything that I'd done. And after about three days, these two big burly men in black suits sitting in front of me, one of them started cracking his knuckles. The other one held up my English passport and said, you realize that this is worthless, don't you? And he threw my passport into the waste paper basket. He said, you realize that um, you could disappear now forever and nobody would ever know. Well, I did realize that. It was pretty clear. He said, you are very fortunate because um, my boss is going to give you a choice. You can go to Avine prison now for five years minimum, or you can work for us we're going to leave the room now and let you decide. And we'll come back in five minutes. So there I was in the middle of the night in Tehran with the city below me. I was 14 floors up. And after half an hour, they had not come back. And one hour still, they had not come back. But in that hour, they came to know two or three really fundamental things. The first thing was that I Realized, I I actually experienced my identity that is, Roger, the writer who lives in San Francisco, who has these friends, etc. Everything I knew and understood about my life up there in that room with no idea what was going to happen next. I saw, I suddenly saw that the narrative of my life was just that it was a fiction spun out of my neurons. And it was no more the essence of who I was than any other story. And when I saw that, the narrative, my familiar identity, really felt like a tight suit of clothes that I'd been wearing all this time without really realizing it. And in that room, that suit of clothes fell off. And I just felt this wordless, deep sense of freedom where in which I knew that no harm could come. I was not afraid, and I had no idea what was going to come next. But fundamentally, I knew that whatever happened, all was well. And the essence of who I am could not be harmed. And that's something that really stayed with me ever since. And so it wasn't a question of my overcoming something. It wasn't a question of pushing towards something, towards a realization. It was the opposite. It was a surrendering or letting go, a spontaneous letting go of my familiar identity that opened the door to the greatest freedom I'd ever known.
2: So thanks a lot for sharing that story with us. Roger, as you look back, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners based on this story?
1: That this life I am living now, today, this moment, is the only life I have and whatever it looks like I am grateful.
2: So I think what you just shared with us is really, really inspiring. And so for the benefit of our listeners, I'm going to rephrase what you said. You said that five years ago, you were in Iran, you're writing a book and your objective, your goal was to really illuminate the wonderful culture and share it with the rest of the world. But on your way out, you were stopped by intelligence agents. And unfortunately, you were taken back and questioned for three days and nights, which I'm sure was a very grueling and challenging. challenging situation. Your email was hacked. It seemed like they knew everything about you in and out, about your life. And after a few days, they started intimidating you. And they also threw your passport into the dustbin. So for all of us, especially people who travel around the world, the passport is a document that is invaluable because if you don't have a passport internationally, you don't really have an identity. He said that you have a choice to go to jail or work for them. You were in the middle of Tehran, very far from home, and you had to make a decision about the Question that they asked you. You realized at that point that your identity, your narrative, the story was all fictitious from your own creation. And you experienced at that point a new sense of freedom and a different level of calm. You had no idea what was gonna happen because you were still there and it was that situation, but you knew that no matter what happened, you knew that all was well. And I'm sure that many of our listeners listening to this episode right now feel inspired and feel assured by your message that no matter what is going to happen, all is well. So action takers, as you take action, accept challenges and embrace failures, you are bound to succeed. And as you succeed, you will go higher and higher in life. But wherever you are, never forget your direction. No matter where you are in life, if you're not striving to manifest your vision, if you're not overcoming your challenges to grow, if you're not continuously monitoring your internal GPS and finding out more of how you can serve the world, you might feel a level of stagnation. Remember, all is well. And according to Johann Wolfgang, who once said, the greatest thing in this world is not so much where we stand as in what we direction we are moving. And to move in that direction, you need to know that no matter what happens physically to you, that your spirit is indestructible and that all is going to be well. So, Roger, would it be safe to say that you are currently living your life's purpose? Yes, it would be safe to say. Wonderful. So, in one sentence, what would you say your life purpose is?
1: My life purpose is not separate from the life I am living now. My life purpose is not something I'm moving towards. It's something I'm living now. And what I'm living now is the life that is mine to live. And the
2: degree to which I'm living the life that is mine to live I am fulfilling my purpose. Thanks a lot for sharing. So looking back now, was there ever a particular moment, maybe a book that you read, a conversation that you had, or an experience that you felt beyond which you knew, pretty sure, without a doubt, that your life was about to change? Could you take us back to that very moment?
1: One of the most significant moments of change in my own life was when I woke up one morning in my hometown of Bath in England and knew that I needed to move to America and within six months, I indeed had moved to America. So this really was a profound shift or change in my life, if you like, that still resonates and continues to this day.
2: So as you mentioned earlier, it was that moment of knowing. Wonderful. So this brings us to the very final round of today's show. It's a rapid fire round that's called the wisdom round. Let's start by this question. Roger, out of all the advice that people have given you in life, what is the best advice that you've ever received?
1: Really one of the uh, best pieces of advice that I've had is from a poem, believe it or not, a poem by Derek Walcott called Love After Love. And in that poem, Love After Love, he says the time will come when You can greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You can love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your life to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life. Take down the love letters from the mantelpiece, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. It's a great piece of advice.
2: Name a personal habit that contributes to your health and wellness. Daily meditation. Thanks a lot for sharing. So, Roger, what's your morning routine like?
1: When I get up, I after I have a shower and then I immediately sit for one hour. And when I say sit, I mean sit in silence, uh, which some people, will, most people will call meditation. But I'm not meditating on anything. I'm simply sitting in
2: being. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, just one, what would it be?
1: It would be The Four Quartets. By T S
2: Eliot. Thanks a lot for that recommendation. We'll have that in the show notes. Action Tribe, to access the show notes, visit our website, my forward slash 156. That's my 7 forward slash 156. Six. So thanks a lot, Roger, for sharing your wisdom on our show today, for sharing your stories and the amazing insights based on which our Action Tribe can take action and improve and enhance the quality of their lives. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are really grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online.
1: Oh gosh, so much to be grateful for. I'm really grateful for this day that I've lived today, for the people that I've met, Today, for the food that I've been given today, and for the ideas and inspiration that I've been part of today, including this program. My website, where you can find out about all the different courses I run, online and live writing courses, although the writing is simply is a vehicle or a tool to explore one's own inner life. Uh, you can find all my classes at my website, which is my name, www.rogerhudson.com. That is R-O-G-E-R-H-O-U-S-D-E-N.com rogerhoosden.com.
2: So thanks a lot for sharing Action Tribe to learn more about how you can drop your struggle to purchase the book, get a book, get a copy for yourself. Then all you need to do is go to the website rogerhouston.com. We'll have the link up in the show notes as well so that you can take another step towards your transformation. So Roger, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of dropping the struggle and taking us one step closer to a human revolution.
1: It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, AJ. seven chakras go to my seven chakras download your free gift get inspired and take action transform your life today